You're listening to Minority. A podcast for everything. And everyone. That doesn't fit the box. I'm Ethan. And I'm Alex. This episode, we're looking into the life of Ethan and his experience coming out. Let's talk about it. Because I don't actually yeah. think I know the full story of, like, how you came out. No, yeah, I don't I don't really share it with a lot of people. And it's you, really, it's yeah. a weird story, honestly. So. so I guess, like, I don't know, maybe first tell me, like, when did you start to, like, realize or, like, maybe think that you didn't, you know, like what everyone else likes? Which, like, the word that, you know, what the standard or what people expect you to like, you know? Like, when did you yeah. think like, you realized, like, hey, maybe I like guys, not women? <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I think for, like, a lot of gay people, there's, like, you're either one type of gay, which is, like, you're either a gold star gay or you're not. <laughs> What's a gold star <laughs> And so to be a gold star gay is, like, you haven't kissed anyone. You haven't kissed a woman, specifically. Mm. Like, you have only touched men. Mm-hmm. You've only done things with men. Only thought about men. That's it. Like, gold star like- gay born out of the womb and you're like i want only men like you never were like impressioned by society or whatever to think maybe you right right exactly but that is (laughs) no (laughs) stanley no squeaky toy (laughs) he's homophobic (laughs) um uh but yeah that is not the case for me i'm not a gold star gay With our numbers, with our strength, the numbers you can see forming here, we are showing that we are 20 million strong in this country. To all politicians all over the world, gay is coming and it's coming strong. Coming out. Where did it come from? Why do we do it? What does it really mean? Well, let's get into it. So coming out was actually coined from an old term from young elite women who came out into high society. It was an act, a celebration, a way of coming into oneself, coming into womanhood. Um, But a news article from as far as 1931 from the Baltimore Afro-American referred to coming out was the new debutantes of homosexual society. Coming out in this context was only to gay people. It wasn't to the public at large. It was only in order to try and get a small society of people together to build friendships, relationships, to find a lover of sorts. They spoke through code phrases such as a family, a club member. They were a friend of Dorothy's or a friend of Mrs. King, maybe even stating that they were gay. But the term gay wasn't associated with homosexuality. It was just kind of like a gay old time. They were just having a a happy evening or it wasn't until like the mid 1900s that gay was actually associated with homosexuality and actually like more of a uh an offensive term towards queer people. I think the following statement really does encompass what coming out means. This was from the first gay liberation march in New York City in June 1970. We'll never have the freedom and civil rights we deserve as human beings unless we stop hiding in closets and in the shelter of anonymity. And from then on, kind of led a movement of coming out, of rejoicing, of ending internalized self-hatred so queer people could achieve a better life. It showed people that coming out could build solidarity and recruit other queer people. So I guess if you really wanted to talk about a gay agenda, that's it. To get other queer people involved with queer people in order to find solidarity and friendship and find acceptance within one another. I think 
when I was a child, like, it was pretty obvious that I was gay or I was going to be, like, sexually diverse because I wasn't, like, very masculine. I was kind of just, like, a very, like, flamboyant child, but I had a lot of friends that were girls, so Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, like, people, like, if there were other mothers that, like, saw me, they'd be like, oh, yep, he's gay, (laughs) like, pretty obvious, but it was, like, either, like, third grade or fourth grade, like, I was really interested in women, and, like, I actually had, like, a girlfriend in third grade. Yeah, remember you told me you had a girlfriend? I don't really know how serious you can say, like, what a girlfriend is in third grade, but, like, we went over to each other's houses, and we listened to Avril Lavigne, and, like, jumped (laughs) on her trampoline, and so, you know, that was pretty close to a relationship in in third grade to me. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it was really fun, and I think I, like, actually got heartbroken, because, like, we had something, and it was gone, but, like, it's not like I ever kissed her, it's just, like, we were just good friends, and I liked hanging out with her. Yeah, do you Um, think that if you weren't in third grade, you would have kissed her? Like, obviously, third grade's a little hard. Like, I feel like right. people, you know, had little kisses or, like, like childhood, like, kisses, not real oh, kisses. Yeah. But I never did. I waited until, like, the ninth grade to kiss a boy. <laughs> so I never had, like, childhood kisses, but... I don't know. I think I was just kind of like, oh, it's gross. Like, yeah. I just, like, w- liked her as a friend and, like, she was fun. Mm-hmm. I think it didn't really happen until, like, I have a vivid memory of, like, in sixth grade when... I was, like, supposed to kiss a girl, and everyone, like, put this pressure on me to kiss her, and I was, like, I don't want to kiss her, which Mm. was really, like, I think the moment to me, I was, like, oh, wait, this isn't, isn't normal, right, or, like, it doesn't feel natural to me to, like, Mm -hmm. want to kiss this girl, Mm -hmm. and I was, like, I couldn't really understand that, and I was, like, well, I like her, and so, yeah, third grade jumped to sixth grade. I was, like, dating this girl, um, and we would go to the rollaway, which was like a roller skating rink. Okay. And on Wednesdays, like we would go skate for like a dollar. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun and all. So like we would go and like, I think we were with a bunch of friends or something. Yeah. And um, it was like, oh, you go to the arcade room and like, you're like, oh, they have like alone time. And you're like, okay, now you guys have to kiss. And like everyone was watching and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like this feels wrong. For one, like I don't like being like, yeah, star of the show for one. No, but yeah. also like I was just like it doesn't feel right so I think that was like the strongest moment for me I was like okay this doesn't feel like natural or like it doesn't feel mm-hmm. right but I still didn't in my mind like realize like oh I like guys at yeah. all like it was just kind of like oh this feels wrong um and then jump like the next couple years or so like so I was friends with a lot of girls or mm-hmm. so be it um in like middle school and eighth grade specifically and I think there was one time after lunch, we were like all on the yard or the playground, whatever. Yeah, whatever. We were at recess during lunch and they're like, oh, don't you think that guy's hot? And I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess he is hot. And I was like, it, it like kind of like hit me. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. Like I, I didn't really like think about it, but yeah, yeah he's hot. <laughs> like yeah. it was just kind of weird. Um, but also like during junior high and like into the like beginning parts of high school I was I think I was just like deeply closeted and I just dated a lot of girls too yeah so like I had like two or three girlfriends and I was like we never like actually got to anything sexual or anything like that yeah but I think I was always like distancing myself from that because I was like oh I don't know it just doesn't feel right um or like I'll know it'll be like a good feeling when I feel it or something like that but yeah I think like there was a time when I got close but I just had like this sinking feeling in my stomach that I was like this feels wrong or like gross or something like that so it just like 
kind of put me off to like the idea of like having sex with women yeah do you think that like so like I guess what age were you when you like finally realized like I want to date men instead of women Mm-hmm. because I feel like it sounds like to me like maybe you knew maybe you just weren't admitting it to yourself kind of mm-hmm. I don't know that's how I took my perspective from hearing the story yeah no that's definitely what it was I think I was like in denial for a long time yeah no I think that's a big part of like any any person's like coming out story and things like that so that was like my senior year of high school and I was turning 17 I think at the time so I was like pretty late bloomer in that aspect um but I think I was just like coming into terms with myself and realizing that I'm like oh I don't have to please everyone around me and this is something I I think I want to explore and like pursue um but yeah that's so that was that's not like my coming out story by any means but okay. it's like the time or the day that I like realized like okay let's explore this like let's try it out the march made us public and we all knew it was different now and we were going to live differently we started to become a people. Here's something that's going to ruin your childhood. But the phrase, come out, come out, wherever you are, is actually used by activists to demand people declare their homosexuality. So during like the 1980s, the AIDS epidemic, people were really wanting to like let people know, be proud of who you are. And now it's used as like a game, as like a hide and seek. So interesting how that works. Whether you came in today to come out, whether you came in last night to come out, whether you came in last week to come out, wait to love people, it's the moment that you tell someone. Like, that's like you're coming out. But I could also see, like, oh, once you realize, like, admittance to yourself is like also coming out. So I think there's like lots of steps in like what that looks like. Um, You're always coming out. Like, I don't think it ever stops. Yeah. So there's that. But it becomes more easy and more comfortable to to come out to other people. I guess I never thought about that. Because I guess... Yeah. Yeah, because I guess it is, like, in everyone's mind. Like, I don't know. I feel like the norm is just you assume that people are heterosexual. So if if everyone's assumption is that you're heterosexual, then you always have to tell them you're not. So you're always Mm -hmm. having to come out to them. You're always having to be like, no, I'm, I'm gay, you know? Yeah, in, in in my in my experience, I feel like I'm pretty straight passing, so a lot of people don't really get it. Yeah. Like, they have assumptions, but they're like, uh, I don't know, and then they'll just bring it up, and you're like, oh, yeah, are you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am. Mm, I don't know. I, I'm really, like, standoffish when it still comes to, like, coming out to people or, like, just mm-hmm. being up front and being like, oh, hey, I'm gay, or, like, that kind of thing. Like, I'll just kind of, like, let people have their own assumptions, and, like, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a fun game. <laughs> like, I just kind of, like, think like oh well you can think of whatever you want of me and if you get it cool I like for me personally I I don't really think it matters too much like yeah whole sexuality spectrum um at least in terms of like I should be able to talk to anybody and it doesn't matter what their sexuality is obviously like Lewiston is like pretty it's not like a super super small town but it's still like small town Idaho I've met your dad and I met your stepmom and they all are really sweet people and everything but like was it hard at first to like like, I guess, like, what was, if you don't mind talking about that, like, mm-hmm. was it, like, an accepted mm-hmm. time, or was it, like, a bit of a challenge? Um, like, I, I don't know, guess, or, like, even just, like, in school, or, I mean, if you're coming out your senior year, it might be a little different, and I feel like once you get into yeah. college, it's, like, no one really cares, like, when you're in college. But, no, Lewiston was actually very, um, I was very scared of, like, what 
people in Lewiston would be like. So Lewiston's my hometown that I grew up in and went to high school in. Um, and actually, like, I didn't have the best coming out story. Mm. I mean, like, in terms of, like, people being accepting and that kind of thing, it was fine. It was great. Um, but I didn't, or I wasn't able to come out on my own terms. So I was, like, in one of the cases where somebody outed me before I was able to um, come out. And so that was, like, really hard and, like, really a big slap in the face and a big disrespect to, like, how I wanted to, like, be treated or, like, how I wanted to have my story be told. Um, So that's, like, that's the, like, the worst end of the stick. Like, it almost feels like the glee, like, dramatic movie moment. Like, oh, like, somebody told somebody that you were gay and it wasn't yours and like you have this big anxiety like that builds up in your chest and your head and you're like oh my god they hate me you're like everything is going like come crumbling to the ground and it isn't always that reality but it always for somebody who came out in oh what was it it's like 2014 yeah still felt scary and wrong like I it, it was like that time was like definitely a time of change and like yeah. people were growing more accepting to it but Idaho was always like 10 years in the past yeah so definitely it was just like the nation um like legalized gay marriage so I would imagine that when mm-hmm. I was in high school so I wasn't really concerned with it and also mm-hmm. um in 2015 that's when they legalized gay marriage but um I would imagine that like the year before when all those like mm-hmm. laws were trying to be passed and different things were happening it would probably have been a year of unrest and issues coming up I feel like any time that an issue is about to be like put forward to be decided whether or not we're going to do this or not there's always going to be like a conflict right before it like that's just the way Mm -hmm. that like history tends to work so yeah yeah so like people were talking about it like people not like necessarily like me coming out but people were talking about gay marriage and like whether it should be legalized or whether it should not there was also debates about like how people should use the restrooms and that sort of thing and I think like because Idaho is a red state and is pretty conservative it's like there are people that have guns and like that kind of thing and who are very openly like trying to like scare you but like you know they they do have some power there like they're willing to like bulk up and kind of be like big dudes about it or something but yeah um yeah so like I was I was outed by a good friend of mine actually like we were I'm not gonna like name names because it's no. it's the past and I don't want to like do anything like that but yeah like it wasn't bad but they were also like the only openly gay person in the high school and so like once was it a mistake or did they like was it I think like they thought that you were out and then you weren't or yeah I mean either way part of it still your yeah right right like, it doesn't matter I'm just kind of wondering like why it would happen you know because mm-hmm. I mean I think either way it obviously would I would imagine, I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine that, I mean, like you said, it's not. As soon as, like, they were talking about it, like, it just felt, like, out of my control, and then so many other people knew, and then I came out to my friends, and then, like, they were like, oh, yeah, it's fine, it's okay, and then it it also turns out to, like, to this day, like, probably 75% of those people in my friend group are also on, like, the Mm -hmm. queer spectrum, so, so I think that's also, like, I had a good supporting group of friends, but it also just felt like all of this, like, power was just taken away from me. Yeah. In a way. So it wasn't bad, but I think, like, I lived with it. I, like, kind of, like, internalized it for a little bit, 
And in order to take control of the narrative, I posted a video on Facebook. This was my message to the school that like, this is my narrative. I'm taking it back. Yes, I am gay. And I'm okay with that. And I think like it was, I think it was just like part of the culture. Like everyone was posting like their coming out videos, that kind of thing. So I was just part of that trend, I guess, or like part of that like movement of like being awake and open on the internet. Yeah. Um, And that felt good. For me, that was like the moment when I would like realize and like was accepting of like coming out. Hey, um, as some of you may know, today is National Coming Out Day. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm gay. I've been hiding that for a while. And I feel like it's time to just come clean, especially with where I am in my life and where I'm going. And I just need to be proud of who I am. And it's really hard because by no means am I like really proud of who I am. And I'm, I'm still trying to work on this whole comfort security thing that I'm going with. But um, <laughs> what's a better way than just post, I mean, post online at three in the morning? So, yeah, I guess that's, that's me. Most of you have probably known me as I've been growing up, and to some of you this isn't like a really big surprise, because as a kid I was really flamboyant, and it's ridiculous, but, like, growing up my sister was so cute, and I just wanted to be just like her, and... I was incredibly sassy and horrible and looks, looks, look where it got me now, but, um, yeah, I just, I want to be proud of who I am, and I know this is going to upset some people, and it's like, (laughs) I can't control it, this is definitely not a choice if, yeah, if you're watching, I'm, Sorry, but it's time I've came clean, and that's about it to the subject. Waking up to say hip hip hooray, I'm glad I'm gay. Hey Ethan, it's me again, five years from the future, and I just want to say I am so proud of you, and I think it's amazing all the efforts and things that you've done in the past five years. I don't think you would imagine how many things that you're going to do and explore and experiences that you're going to feel. You're going to fall in love not once but twice, but probably three times and more. And each time is a little bit better. You have some ups and downs and it does get so much better. It hurts me to hear you say that you hate yourself so much, but I understand what you were going through. And you're really going to find yourself in this next two or three years. It's still such a ride. Every day, month, year that you are alive, you grow so much more into yourself. You become more accepting of your queerness. And it becomes so much better in the world. If you saw what the world looked like right now from five years ago, you would be so overjoyed with the progress we've made. There's still a lot of work to do, and I think it's going to be so exciting to see 
what the future brings for you as well. But I'm so proud of you. Don't be sorry. Be glad that you are here and alive and are able to share the world with other people. I think I'm learning that more and more now these days than I did back then. We have this idea that we have to hate a part of ourselves because other people told you to, or society tells you to, but in reality those are some of the most beautiful parts, so don't shy away from those aspects. I, the world is crazy, but it deserves to see you. Um, so yeah, like I came out on the internet, and so I still have like a little bit of guilt because of that, because like I think because I came out online and like I didn't have like a lot of face-to-face like conversations I kind of feel guilty because I don't have like people's true reactions or like that kind of thing like I kind of let that video be like the messenger and like I couldn't get like I think that's how my like my parents first found out yeah and you didn't come out until after you had moved out of the house this is my sister Abby's experience yeah and the interesting thing is I was like still living at home when you came out so I got the immediate aftermath of it oh my god okay so this is a really interesting point because I was recording with Alex and I was like actually I never really had a face-to-face interaction when I came out with them because I just avoided it by making a video instead yeah no you posted on Facebook and I was up in my room and dad was like scrolling through Facebook and he saw it and he had like a meltdown did he really he did. It was, I thought I told you about this, but no, he had like a, it was really not good. Cause I was like up in my room and he came in my room and he was like, did you hear what happened? And he was like crying. I was like, oh, <laughs> what happened? I thought someone died. And Aww. he was like, did you hear about Ethan? I'm like, what happened to Ethan? And he was like, he was like, he's gay. I was like, I already knew that. And he was like, you knew? And I'm like, well, obviously I knew. And so then he like comes and sits on my bed and he's like crying his eyes out. He like leans on me and I shove him off and I'm like, don't you cry on me about your son being gay. And he was like, it feels like my family's falling apart. And I'm like, no, the only thing that's falling apart here is you. Oh, that's so sad. I didn't know. Yeah, no, also, I was so I mad didn't want because... to know at the point at that time. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to deal with it, but. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't either. But, like, the interesting part about that is, like, I was so mad at how he reacted because when I came out, I have a very vivid memory of me coming out. I was in the living room on the couch and him and Christine were sitting in the living room with me. And for listeners, Christine is our stepmom. Oh, yeah. We're both queer. So how does that, like, how does that work? And, like, how is that different from other people who have had to come out? just by chance that it happens but I think like it made it almost worse for him because it's like oh I'm not gonna have any like quote-unquote normal children Mm -hmm. because we're the only two in the family and so -hmm. this is like a brand new thing for him that he has to deal with like he doesn't know anybody else (laughs) yeah and that's like the other unfortunate part of like being from Idaho in general is like the grand scheme or like the role model of a gay person is non-existent like to him a gay person is probably like a drag queen or something so yeah like to be gay or to be queer is like 
scary because he imagines like that is our like reality and it's not but yeah I don't know it's just really frustrating with there not really being any queer people around here and I think what he imagines a queer person to be is like very flamboyant even if they're not just a drag queen just like very flamboyant what he's kind of imagining I assume is like what you see when you think of like pride parades I think he's just kind of like assuming that everyone is like that all the time 24 7 you have to be super flamboyant and out there and like just unapologetically yourself in the Mm -hmm. most extreme way right yeah I think so too so I wonder like when it comes to like my coming out like I think I was definitely scared of their reactions because I I think I do remember you coming out first and so I Mm. knew it was going to be bad so I didn't bring it up in person yeah because you were out in your car when you recorded that video I think you were actually in the driveway when you recorded that video yeah yeah so I recorded it on October 11th 2015 and that was like national coming out day but I was just like watching all these videos of people coming out and like I saw like the whole world was doing it and I was like man like if I could have a time to do it like I guess it would be now but I waited I waited until like night to happen and then like everyone was asleep and I was like I'm just gonna go for a walk or something and I just like went to my car and like recorded that video yeah I mean if I would have known that that was an option at the time I probably would have too but at the same time I was so easily confrontational especially when I was younger just like because everything that they did just made me angry and so it was just like it just made sense for me to be like oh yeah I'm just gonna tell them because I didn't know how they were gonna react anyway it's like I didn't expect them to just like scream at me um Mm -hmm. I didn't know like because we had no experience with any like gay people so I'm like I'm just gonna tell them so what like what's the worst that's gonna happen they yell at me anyway so right right yeah I think you have the most guts in the family that's for sure I actually really didn't have any friends that I at least at that moment and I can't think of anyone now that I'm like, oh, well, they eventually were like, oh, I'm, I'm actually gay um, or, you know, or queer or bisexual or, you know, anything else. Um, I just didn't have a lot of friends. Like, a lot of my friends were other kinds of minorities, but they just weren't, um, they just didn't happen to be gay. Um, but I think I always was like, really, I don't know, just because my mom was gay, like I never, it was never like an issue for me. It just didn't overwhelm my like social life, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, never, I never cared. I just didn't really think about it as much because I was like, what? Like, I just, I, to me, there wasn't anything to think about because I always grew up with being gay, being okay. Yeah. It's kind of hard when you're both, your, when your mom has a girlfriend who lived with you for like eight years, like to not be okay with being, with people being gay. Totally. Like, it was just like, it was very normalized to me. So it was, mm-hmm. it was different, but I never like, I don't know. I remember like my mom being like, she would tell me not to tell people because she was mm-hmm. worried. Cause I was like eight and like openly uh, like admitting it, you know? And that would have been like, what like 22 2005 like being gay was like not accepted like in 2005 right especially like openly and my mom would be like don't tell people no. like what do you mean don't tell people it's my life yeah, so I was you always, were like a really a really proactive child I feel like yeah I think I just really didn't like being told not to, like what not to do yeah and I think I just was like I was really like I was really like righteous so I was just like um I was like self-righteous but I think I was also like righteous towards people that I loved and was like mm-hmm. I just didn't under I think I just never understood why it wasn't okay like why where the stigma came against it because it was like my mom told me she was gay when I was four so like I grew yeah. up my whole life my mom being gay pretty much like even though I so if people don't know like my my mom was married to my dad 
and they like had me and all that kind of stuff and then they got divorced for like other reasons and then later on my mom kind of realized in life that she you know she realized that she actually wanted to marry women and like date women after that um mm-hmm. like I mean you could she identifies as like a lesbian if you want to kind of say maybe for like a moment she was maybe bisexual but she always like there was never really any going back after that like after that divorce she pretty much only dated women after I never remember her dating their man um so yeah so I don't know I just and like that happens a lot yeah so I, I remember she like I remember I don't actually like, remember the story but I you know like when you have like childhood memories like that are told to you so you like you mm-hmm. remember it even though you don't actually remember it you remember being told it so it's kind of like like you remember it yeah uh, my mom would tell me that she told me that she was gay and I asked her she was like I, I want to date women or I'm going to date women and I was like and I remember I asked her okay do you love women and she was like yeah and I was like cool <laughs> Again, Miami is like also probably like a little bit more of a proactive place. Oh yeah, I mean, I used to see like um, I mean, enough, enough. Yeah, I used to see like drag queens like walking up and down the streets like in high school when I go to the beach with my friends, like just like walking down mm-hmm. South Beach, like mm-hmm. hanging out. Like Idaho was like nothing like that. Like I had no, I like didn't know any gay people. I only knew like that one person in high school that was gay, yeah. and like for me that was like it kind of scared me because like I didn't want to be anything like that like yeah it seemed like unfortunately like there's a lot of people who are gay suffer from like inner homophobia and I think that's really interesting to talk about but like I was like ashamed of like how flamboyant he was and that's not anything that I wanted to be but now I'm just like oh yeah okay whatever like they're just living their life but there's like so much shame and all of that like that's still associated with um the coming out process and I because he was that only person that like was there he was supposedly like the role model or like what I had to be and so I was like oh that's not what I want to be and so that's why coming out was so hard because I thought a lot of people would associate me with that emotion or like that feeling and that type of personality and that's like not who I am and and you know me I'm like pretty laid back and like pretty oh yeah I never really thought about things as like flamboyant or anything like that but I feel like I do feel like I've watched you like become more accepting of like being like okay with like I, I've watched you like go to parties with your nails painted I've watched you like instead of just wearing your gauges you've put in like dangling earrings or I've like mm-hmm. you know you've like worn makeup or like you know different things like here they're like they're not and most of the time they're like like how I would wear makeup which I'm like if anyone knows me I'm like the farthest from feminine <laughs> like <laughs> and it's like so it's like dark you know dark things simple like like black nail polish like you know you're not it's not like you're like putting on like full drag or you know wanting Mm -hmm. to wear like fake lashes or anything like that but I feel like it's still like I feel like even no matter how you want to do it I feel like crossing that border from like I would never have worn that to like now you're like I don't know maybe you were more like that or maybe I just gotten to know you more so it seems like but I just remember I don't remember you being as much like that um like when I first met you I remember yeah in my opinion I remember you like I mean you would you'd wear more just like simple boy stuff like totally jeans fans like you know yeah. like, just simple like what every man wore and then nowadays I'm like oh he's wearing heels or like not heels but like, <laughs> like boots with like I mean you have those boots that you wore I, I like pumps like, yeah yeah that are like gigantic platforms or whatever yeah yeah um, and like you come out and you're like I want to do a party and you like have like a dangling earring and you're like gauge um your gauges or whatever and like I just like I loved seeing you being able to like embrace that without having to feel like like bad about it like because you shouldn't mm-hmm. it literally like why does anyone care 
Like, that's yeah, like I think my I'm, thing. I'm becoming like more and more accepting of my queerness and like growing into it. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you have to be like the the gay stereotype that everyone like likes to portray in media where like they're overly flamboyant like men are I mean there's nothing wrong with being that stereotype either but I think that like people seem to think that's the only way to be gay um yeah that's not like that's just like it shouldn't be you know like I feel like people assume like men who are gay have to be flamboyant and feminine and women who are gay have to be masculine and rough (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. that just like Mm -hmm. shouldn't there's so much it's just so much more to that you know and like that brings up so much more to un- unpack about the gay community and like talking about tribes and like how you talk about like oh there's bears and twinks and all these yeah. things about like the little stereotypical traits that you have to like encompass and I think that's also becoming like more mainstream I think mm-hmm. that like that there's so many more types of being gay which I think yeah. is cool um, but it's also damaging when you have to like put a label on it. But, no I agree. I even like when you're telling me your story you're talking about how like people should have assumed you were gay or people did assume you were gay because you were in theater or because your mm. all your friends are female and I was like I totally like I get like I get those stereotypes and I get where they're coming from but I also like that sucks that just sucks <laughs> that like mm-hmm. because a man is in theater like he should people should assume that he's gay so, yeah I don't know like I've always like worn like denim and like big boots and that kind of stuff but that doesn't necessarily mean that I like women I'm like no I'm very straight <laughs> like yeah but yeah I don't know that was always like a big thing for me as a kid was like my family felt like because my mom was gay and because she well my mom raised me until I was like 14 like most of the time I, I saw my dad on the weekends um but like the normal you know five two or whatever schedule every kid divorce mm-hmm. kid, parent with parents gets um but and then I was fortunate I moved with my dad but um I remember like my family being like your mom's gay you'll become gay and I was like it's not mm-hmm. like a disease <laughs> mm-hmm. like it's not like she passes it down on to me <laughs> like that's not right. how being gay works <laughs> I was like obsessed yeah. with like Daniel Radcliffe as a child like I was not gay <laughs> I remember my aunt was obsessed. Was like women, and I was like, I like Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no mom. Like Zac yeah. Efron. I was just like, what? <laughs> so I don't know. That was always like super weird to me. And I remember like multiple times, like women or like people that I knew being like assuming that I was like a lesbian. And I was like, I'm really not. And I really hate that you, I mean, I, I was never, I think I, when I was younger, I was like really like offended by that. And now that I've gotten mm. older, I don't really care because I don't, it's not a bad thing. I think I just needed the fact that I couldn't be a feminine I could I had to be like that because I wasn't feminine people had to assume my sexuality and Mm -hmm. I I really hated the idea of that because I was like I don't think that just because I wanted to play softball or like like did all the I mean yes I very much fell into like the lesbian categories of like softball and and all those things and I was like very much tomboy in high school like I was like trying to prove myself to be like tough um but I don't know I hated the fact that like since I checked off these like little boxes people were like oh she's gonna be gay and I'm like that's mm-hmm. just not how it works that's a cool history to talk about because actually like a lot of those things were indicators in like queer communities in order to like stand out or like kind of like have code words between other people to like say that they were gay hmm. um so like yeah something that's like queer history or something like that is basically they're saying that if one earring and either the left ear or the right ear it's a sign of like being gay yeah, and that was something that was like pretty like mainstream I think growing up for me mm-hmm. I, don't know about you. It too. I remember that like in like middle school and high school 
Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that like young. Like I, I think that was like a trend when we were like. I feel like I was like eighth, eighth grade, ninth grade kind of transitioning. Yeah, and then there's other things. It's like something that Hal Fisher, um, he was an author of Gay Symbiotics that would, who kind of this man documented the signifiers for like what it meant to be queer and all these different things throughout gay history and queer history. So for men, like a blue handkerchief in the right hip was to say that, oh, this man's a passive role. I guess we could call that like a bottom now. Um, but a blue handkerchief in the left pocket means that they're more active or like a top. But yeah, this wasn't always the case. Like plaid and handkerchiefs. Yeah. But there's like every color means like a different thing. Like, oh, if you have like a pink one, you're interested in this or a yellow, you're interested in like looking up or that kind of thing that's super so. interesting i remember that like being a like a non-gay thing that was like a thing i remember that was like i never did it but i remember that was like a thing in high school do you remember like um it was like bracelets that you wore for things you had done oh my, silly they're not silly bands but well, they're like yeah they I mean i think people started there was like a version before silly bands because silly bands they're were called like sex straight. bands yeah that's pretty much what they were and they were like the things you had done and it was mm-hmm. like you wore the band. and if you broke them yeah you'd have to do it with that person <laughs> oh god yes that was one of them wasn't it mm-hmm. how do you know if someone's gay and i was like oh well there's like different ways to like say like non-verbally see that someone's gay so it's like if you cuff your jeans you're bisexual if you um like you can ask someone like oh do you listen to girl in red and that's kind of asking like oh are you a lesbian i just can't imagine like I don't know because there's I mean there's other things I'm sure like you know being there's other minority issues that like you know can definitely affect you um but I feel like with most of those issues like it's not just a you issue it's like a whole your whole family has it. like you know if people were against like, you know a person for their race you know it's like you're not going to be the only black person in your family or the only hispanic person in your family like your whole family oh, yeah. is, you're at least part of your family is going to be that um so they can't be racist, or at least you have your, at least you have your family, I guess, is like, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, being gay, like, if your family isn't accepting, um, like, then who do you have, you know? Because, like, I don't know, it's not having oh. family. Yeah. I also remembered something, too, of why I was so guilty mm. of, like, being the gay, the gay in the family. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> interestingly enough, my, so my grandpa and my grandma had like children they had nine children yeah and out of those nine children my dad was the only male to have another son so i'm the person who has the last name like i'm the last of the remainder last name yeah i'm the last of my bloodline basically of my like bloodline yeah see like i could adopt and like i could always like pass on my name in other ways or you could but, have forget or like i mean or you can just not have kids either but like yeah your name doesn't have to also like women can take back the fucking name <laughs> like i mm-hmm. hate the idea mm-hmm. that like women can't like if that's the issue in your family like that's your biggest issue then like make one of those kids make their husband use their name <laughs> totally and like when it all comes down to it is like my aunt does have a son but mm-hmm. his last name isn't koi oh yeah well, because she remarried and like mm-hmm. she took her name his name yeah i mean there's i don't know there's different i don't know it's interesting there's only one person in my family there's only one boy um and i mean i think i think he'll definitely have kids um but i still think i kind of want 
depending on how I like, you know, what my life looks like or whatever. If I marry someone who has siblings and has male siblings, I'm going to be like, at least one of our kids gets my last name or like we're hyphenating or something like that name is not just, it is not dying with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I just, I also love my last name. Like I have no interest in like changing it. I have no interest. In, like, I think that my kids should be able to have it if they want it. If I had kids, like it's my last name. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I hate the fact that it, I mean I get it, but like I don't know. I don't. I think I think if you know if the name is gonna die out, like why can't you switch it over? But mm-hmm. yeah, I can yeah. see that guilt yeah. could come from. Or so like, there's like a lot of guilt there, and also like my grandpa was like really proud of his name, mm-hmm. and I think my dad's side of the family is really proud of like yeah. the Koi family name and like wants it to go on and and grow. But I think I've also like accepted that as like it's not like it's not my responsibility to bear. No. Like it's. Yeah, it almost feels like, and I'm, I'm proud of my name, absolutely, yeah. but, like, I am i don't think it's, like, a, a deal breaker for me, like, I just think it's, like, oh, it's something I have, and, like, yeah. I can leave a legacy in different ways to, like, let that I name agree. be known. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I just think that there are so many other ways to, like, like, I think the traditional, like, well, you have to be straight, and, you know, you have to give your kids your name, like, that, that just doesn't have to be the way you do it anymore, like, you can give your kids your name whether you're not your straight, whether or not they're your kids by blood, like, they're, I mean, like, who, you know, I just feel like society doesn't have to tell you that you have to do it that way. Like, there's so many other options. Like, it doesn't have to be the man's name. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think, yeah. I mean, I definitely think if you have two men in the relationship, then I guess you have the discussion of, like, whose name do you choose? Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. And I, I haven't really thought about that before. And I mean, I guess, I mean, yeah, because, you know, it's not the social norm of, like, you, you just pick yeah or whatever but i think that a conversation that every like couple should have no matter what they are like totally like, I think yeah i think about because i think about that a lot but like yeah. that's because i have the name yeah i think i would hyphenate hmm. maybe like take like two names yeah and you have like a short last name so i feel like it's not a big deal yeah like koi with something else could be really cool yeah that's what i kind of think too uh, so you like, almost like not? make it its own last name like you could like just put the words together Oh, hyphenating. I don't know. That'd be like a possibility, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be so like cut and dry. Like, oh, you're gay. The the name dies. It's like who says like why? Why is that the only option? <laughs> like, yeah, you're like oh, it's over. It's like but... and and also like if it doesn't happen, then like that's okay too. <laughs> right. Like I think it's kind of cool in a way to like think about like the Koi family name for me at least like didn't have like a huge history of like mm-hmm. in my family lineage of like diversity like it was always like farmhands or like pretty like low class like lower class kind of like blue collar people mm-hmm. and having it kind of like grow and change and develop into something at least in my case that like yeah. I imagine that I'll like be doing big things and like doing good things and yeah. I am educated yeah. in higher education and that kind of thing like for me it feels like it's a taking the name to like a bigger and better place which i no that is cool which my my family would probably like in, be very insulted that i said <laughs> that because they'd be like are you not proud of like us but i am but like i am just like i think it's cool to think about the fact that guess. your name leaves like i don't know leaves where it started you know because mm-hmm. like i i get that with like the brizzy last name like technically i think we have some like cousins or something like i don't really know how they're related to us but the brizzy left there's like i mean there's not many brizzies in the world but <laughs> there are a few <laughs> in new york technically um i actually have no idea how they're related to us um it's actually really a weird story so my dad went to school in upstate new york so he went to culinary school 
um, when he graduated college mm-hmm. or high school. Um, went to the Culinary Institute in New York or uh, like upstate New York. And he went to, and then he lived in New York City for like 10 years of his life. That's like my mom, whatever. Um, but like later on in life, um, at some point he realized that there's another Dana Brzee. So my dad's name is Dana, um, mm-hmm. which most people would assume is a woman's name. It's not, it's a, it can be either one, but there is a woman named Dana Brzee in the city where he went to culinary school so not in new york city which like okay whatever 10 million people no in like the upstate town (laughs) that he lived in which is so weird and she must be related to us but we don't know how um so yeah it's kind of weird um i have no idea who she is or like how she's part of our family um and it's also kind of weird our last name actually came from so we don't fully like we can't like trace back our family's like roots once they're in America because um, we had like I think it was like in the 1800s we had a the person who came over with like the name Brazil or like the last kind of strand between like wherever we came from to when we came because we came to we came through New York which like most people did um, or like mm-hmm. somewhere in the northeast um, that person was he was a boy and he was a child and um he um either his family died on the boat or something happened to his parents like right when he came to america um so that maybe his family like didn't make it off of like the boat or whatever when they came here and um so we don't actually know if he was adopted into the brazil family or if his last name was brazil and they like left his last name interesting we could actually be something else like from the past so it's you can't so we can't trace our lineage any further because it's like a dead end pretty much <laughs> like literally a dead end <laughs> because yeah. like the people that we would trace back we don't actually know if their last name is Brzee. um mm-hmm. and nor do we know who they are <laughs> so yeah it's super weird um yeah that's super common too unfortunately. yeah like we think that mine was probably like a mccoy lineage mm-hmm. and then it like dropped to mick or something yeah we think ours was um we think it was there was extra z's and extra e's in it or something like that um and it was more like brise like french because mm-hmm. um, we think that we're french originally and they think that they americanized the name so that they wouldn't um be picked on oh, okay yeah that makes back, sense you know, back then it was i mean that was more the like minority issue or whatever okay so um in the promo episode um it was like addressed to me by my best friend giselle shout out to her um that we referred to me (laughs) as a person of color and we definitely want to set the record straight on that um and kind of like reclaim that mistake that was definitely like a misconception and i think it can happen um so as a hispanic person or as a cuban american i actually don't identify as a person of color i definitely have probably like mistakenly used the word i think that everyone has somehow made a mistake down the line and i think that's okay it's okay to make mistakes as long as you address them um but I definitely think at some point maybe during the episode like Ethan referred to me and then I referred to myself or something I don't know how it went down exactly but we want to make sure that we kind of get up on that I definitely address myself probably more as like Hispanic Cuban Latina um not so much as a person of color and I guess to give you like a little background on like what the difference is for those that don't know because I think it's like an easy misconception is like when you fill out all those forms and all that kind of stuff or like you know, when you're at the doctor's office and you're filling out forms, you'll see boxes for race and you also see boxes for um, ethnicity. And being Hispanic technically is an ethnicity. Um, so yes, there are Hispanic people and Latin people out there who are 
a person of color, but that's because they have indigenous roots. Um, there's another word for it called metiso, which is a, um, I could be pronouncing that wrong, but it's a mixture of white and indigenous. Um, and there's also just indigenous. Um, my best friend Giselle is metiso. Um, I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Giselle, just at me later. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think it definitely can be easy to make that mistake. And you, you know, you are a member of a minority community, like being Hispanic or being Latin. And it's also kind of hard because like for my family, they left Cuba in the 50s or almost the 60s. I guess they probably actually left in 61. So um, I'm like, I have the stories of like what I'm told and like the assumptions are pretty high that our family came from Spain, but we don't know for sure. And like Cuba wasn't just a Spaniard country. Like there were people in Cuba who were indigenous and African. Um, and you know Haitian or Jamaican or other um, like Caribbean roots but I don't actually know um, if I'm any of those groups I'm most likely not I'm probably originally from Spain um, and then my dad's family is white so that would just make me Hispanic or Latin um, not a person of color so yeah we just kind of want to address that because we don't want to um, you know feel like we're taking away the person of color voice from anybody and I also definitely think um yeah I don't know I just like don't want to ever feel like I'm coming off in the wrong way but I also like want to let people know that like I can easily make a mistake like that so like anyone else can and like I think that it's important to call people out for their mistakes but I also think it's important to like let people make their mistakes and like let it let them learn from it and move on um especially if they're like little minor things like that like messing up a word or those kind of things I'm um, not that I'm saying that it's like not important to know your proper terms and that kind of stuff but I also think that sometimes in society today we love to like cancel people like immediately <laughs> and I don't think I don't know that maybe mm -hmm. I'm controversial but <laughs> I don't know I just think like I think that we should like let people make their mistakes embrace them give them love and help them like learn because I don't think Definitely. it's I don't know I don't I don't think it's good to make, make people feel horrible for like a misuse of a word or here or there because like I don't know I just you're not going to get people to like learn and grow if you're just always shutting them down because everyone makes mistakes so right yeah 2021 is all about holding people accountable but also letting them grow and yeah, learn and, and prosper so yeah definitely um, I agree with you there I I think it's a good conversation to have and I think maybe something we're going to continue to touch on in the future like how do we talk about people of color and ethnicity and race and all these issues um in a healthy context and so I think we're here to try and unpack all of those details for you mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah and I um a little like so next week we will be talking and we plan to talk about like this issue a little bit more um about the issues of actually like um Giselle is hoping to be on the episode so maybe a shout out to that but um I don't know I think like there is big like racism doesn't just exist in America <laughs> it exists everywhere and it can also exist in like diverse communities. So like racism can exist in Hispanic communities. There can be racism or, you know, um, classism and colorism towards like the same people in like, I don't know, like Hispanic people judging other Hispanic people for, you know, their skin tone or other issues. And I think that's something we're definitely gonna touch on next week. Yeah, I wanna apologize really quick for calling Alex a person of color and, I didn't quite realize that there was such a, a difference between ethnicity and race. And I think that's um, 
room for me to grow and learn as a proud ally and also somebody who's learning and growing, especially as I'm from a pretty closely conservative state and want to really understand and learn more about our fellow Cubans. Yeah. Um, I don't think like we, I didn't grow up in like a world of like terminology, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. And I, I'm not trying to like shade or like be controversial because I don't want, I don't want to be at all, but I didn't grow up like, I mean, we, like, I think I grew up like as a college student, like in the world of like all these terms and how you identify yourself. And I think they're all really great. And I'm like really happy that we're living in a society where like people can find a way to identify themselves. Like, and there's like ways to identify yourself that aren't just like white or not mm-hmm. white. <laughs> But I also think that that means that, like, you know, we didn't grow up, like, I wasn't eight years old being, like, told what a person of color meant. You know, like, that's Mm -hmm. just not. So, like, I think that even though we're young and we're, like, woke or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, it is a cool thing about the podcast is, like, it does share, uh, it shows a perspective of, like, people who don't know everything and, like, that it can open it up to people that, like, also don't know everything and can kind of, like, be... A moment where you can learn together and like kind of be like there's no shame in like not knowing because I think it's hard a lot of the times to like listen to conversations from people who know everything under the sun and like try and not and feel guilty about it yeah. so maybe there's like a little bit there to like kind of leverage or kind of nudge people in the right direction to like no I definitely agree you can learn and grow with us yeah or even just people that like think they know everything like even if they don't you know like who just make people feel bad for not knowing it um even if they're not as like aware of it as they actually portray themselves to be I don't know I just I agree I 100% agree I just don't think that there's nothing wrong with knowing everything there's nothing wrong with being well educated but I think sometimes when you're overly educated in something you almost have like this kind of like classist behavior where you're like you forget that other people don't know what you know and mm-hmm. you're sometimes sometimes not everyone not at all everyone not the majority even but sometimes some people can be like oh, I know it, so you should know it, and you're an idiot for not knowing it, and I'm going to put you down now. And it's like, yeah. I don't want that person to become part of your community and grow if you're making them feel bad for just not knowing a simple word or for not being aware of one certain thing, when they're even if they're aware of a bunch of other things. It doesn't mean just because they didn't know they don't support you. You just didn't give them a chance to, like, learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, like, everyone should. I don't know. My dad has the saying that I remember in, when I was in school and stuff, um, whenever I would like not do super well or try to like I would try to like I was always the kid who wanted to like know everything take all the classes and be over involved and just like know everything <laughs> which I think me and totally. Ethan both relate to that um but he would always tell me that like life doesn't just stop when school stops like like your learning doesn't stop when school stops like you have your whole life to learn so you don't need to rush it and you don't need to feel bad if you don't know everything because you get to learn your whole life. Like your education doesn't just stop because you're not in school anymore. And I think that's like really important like to remember, like people are always learning. Like I think that the whole saying like an old dog can't learn new tricks is stupid. Like anyone can learn something new. Um, I agree. I think that's important to remember. Definitely. Yeah. My parents would say the same thing or like I would try and take everything in under the sun and I'd be really overwhelmed with all the information. But my parents would always say to me kind of similar to be like, you don't have to know everything right now it's okay to like take things one step at a time and yeah be able to grow and learn continually throughout your life not just like in that one moment no i agree i definitely agree thank you for listening to minority this podcast is brought to you by ethan and alex two friends who are both lactose intolerant but one of them takes it way more seriously who 
And that's a mystery for next week. Want to learn more about Minority? Check us out wherever you scroll. If you're interested in sponsoring Minority, send us an email at emails.minoritypodcast at gmail.com.